sack Is that all you get for your money? And if that's what you have in mind Yeah, that's what you're all about Good luck moving up Cause I'm moving out Good morning and welcome to Oklahoma Real Estate on the move. This is Mark Carr, team member of the Becky Ivins Real Estate team, sitting here with Becky Ivins. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you doing this Saturday morning? I'm doing great today. Kind of a crisp, but uh, pretty awesome morning. I walked into Sam's and Home Depot this past week and all the spring stuff was out and ooh, that made me happy. You walk into a department store and all their spring stuff is out, too. They get it out right after Christmas. <laughs> I know. It It makes me ready. I'm ready for the springtime and some little bit of warmer weather. And right. I'm ready for this winter to be over. I am. The winter hasn't been horrible, though. It has not. We had so. one really cold spell, and then the rest of it's been, been not pretty too good. bad. Not too bad. Weather affects a lot of things. It does, and I am really excited about uh, our guest today. And every time I get to spend time with David Gaskeb, it is I, I come away with so much more knowledge. And um, that's because I've taught you to listen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I enjoy. Listening is a really important part of any job, particularly <laughs> realtors. But good morning, David Gaskeb. Good morning, Becky. Thank you for having me on your show. Sure. Uh, and we almost have to tease because David's not looking for more business, <laughs> but he is looking to share knowledge. He is willing to share his knowledge, which is vast. What? Tell us your background. Um, well, I'm a structural engineer. I have a um, bachelor's degree from OU, a master's degree in civil engineering from OU, and I've have i'm embarrassed to say almost 40 years experience yeah well hey i'm right there with you structural engineering yeah there you go so uh in as a structural engineer we depend on you a lot uh to determine whether or not a crack is a crack or a crack is a real problem or it's just an aesthetic thing on a house so we've got some questions but we'll invite listeners to call in and ask their questions too if you want to join the conversation today the number to call in is 405-840-1000 that's 840-1000 okay when home inspectors do a house inspection they often will point out that there's cracks in the mortar so is there a or maybe cracks in the brick so is there a difference in if it's in that staggered mortar or if uh, the crack goes through the brick? You know, that's a a comment that I hear a lot when I'm out. There's there's some school of thought thinking that if the crack goes through the actual brick itself, it actually makes it worse than if it follows the, the mortar joint. I I don't subscribe to that theory. I think the the size and the shape of the crack are more of an indicator to me on the serious of it. I think if it goes through a brick, it's sort of a sign that the bond between the brick and the mortar is good enough that it's cracking the brick instead of just following uh, the mortar. So just because it goes through the brick doesn't mean it's 10 times worse than if it doesn't go through the brick. Okay. So does if a crack is straight up and down, like instead of staggered, 
does or if it goes across like we have we get cracks in sheetrock right yes and that's a good indication that you might should check your foundation check your structure yes um there in my experience there are a lot of things that can cause cracks uh in sheetrock some of them are just oh well that's sort of a way of life but others are an indicator that that something is going on for uh example um most houses have a crack in the ceiling in the hallway, which is right where the return is, and it's just a weak spot in the sheetrock, and it's just one of those things. But if you have a, a crack that generates at the corner of a door and runs diagonally up the wall, that's probably an indication that you've got a little slab movement in that area. And if you couple that with the fact that the door drags, you know, you can't, you're not able to close it, or if you close it and it doesn't latch, those are sort of indicators that you've got some interior slab issues that you might want to have looked at or taken care of. So, I'll tell you, uh, does, does do cracks in the sheetrock always indicate that there's foundation issues? I would say the short answer to that is no. Um, for example, uh, a lot of houses today have high ceilings. And to achieve that when you go around the outside of the house there's a sloped part of the ceiling where the outside wall comes up it slopes and then you hit your high ceiling well in in most of those cases that sloped part the sheetrock is attached to the roof rafters in order to get you the high ceiling that you want and where that sloped ceiling meets the walls there's often a crack or the tape wrinkles there and in my opinion, that's a result of moisture, temperature, deformation of the rafters. And they, you know, wood is moisture temperature sensitive. And so if the rafters move a little bit relative to the wall, it causes the crack there or the wrinkling. And that certainly is not, is a crack, but it's not an indication of a foundation movement. Yeah, builders back in the 90s, early 90s, it got real popular to go from, uh, Instead of the living room and kitchen being an eight-foot ceiling, it became a ten-foot ceiling. So the that section of the house would have a ten-foot top plate line, right? Mm-hmm. So the the where the ceiling meets the wall or the that your ceiling is is ten feet tall, right? Okay. But your the, your plate may only be eight feet, so you have to have a slope to get you from the eight to the 10 feet and the ceiling joists there come across and are actually nailed to the rafters. And so <clears throat> the bedrooms, like the side walls, would have eight-foot plate lines, but then they slope up in the master yeah. and sometimes in the front bedroom. But it was just a way to hold down costs and still have high ceilings. That's correct. Yeah, because <clears throat> it cost about one and a half times as much to get brick put up that high, to get sheetrock put up that high. Everything costs more labor-wise the taller you get in structure, right? Right. Longer pieces of wood are more expensive. Right. There you go. <laughs> so uh, so sheetrock, if you have cracks in your sheetrock, it's not a bad idea to get it checked out. No, it's not a <clears> – <throat> sorry, excuse me. It's not a bad idea, but it's not always an indication that you've got some – foundation issues that are occurring but okay on the the diagonal above the doors where at the top of a door a closet a bedroom doesn't matter what the door is 
and it it goes a diagonal crack upwards. So that slab movement is what you're saying there lots of times. Yes, probably your slab has settled. And what do you do for slab settlement? Well, you can you can lift a slab. You know, everyone's familiar, I would assume, everyone's familiar with the piers that they put around the outside of your house. There are also peering systems that you can put through the slab and actually lift the slab. Uh, there are also some people that um, use foam injection to lift a slab where they drill a hole and they it's a two-part system. They inject into the slab and when the two parts come together, they expand and the expansion of the foam lifts the slab. So there are methods to lift the slab. Well, I've got questions for you about the different types and which one is better in what situation. And I want to get to that, but we have Dean Riddell. Our money man is on the line. In MLS number 196-895. Dean Riddell from SWBC Mortgage. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are doing great. How about uh, what's our market doing? You know, this last week, Becky, or the last you know, five or six business days, we're on that trend upward again a little bit. It's still, uh, you're probably in a 30 year, six and three, eight, six, probably six and a half environment. Uh, and we were trending downward, if you recall, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, inflation numbers are out. It, it, it's an impact. It drives it. So it's still a great number, but it's not as pretty as it was two weeks ago so in english if you're not in the business <laughs> that means that we have about uh six and a quarter six and a half percent interest on a 30-year loan and that is Correct. trending up from where it was last week yeah it started uh i guess the friday uh which would have been what the 10th of february it's kind of when the 9th 10th of february is when we start seeing some rate midday rate changes through the day market-wise and you know at that time we were we were close to six and an eight six point one two five six and a quarter and now we're we've inched back up a little bit again not a bad number but it's kind of a reflection of what we're doing market-wise well and it it makes a difference in your interest your interest rate makes a huge difference in your payment so buying now instead of waiting till it inches up more is a good idea so if you want to contact Dean Riddell. You can give him a call at 405-858-7770. That's 858-7770. And Dean Riddell, I just want to say thank you for helping one of my clients this week who had a situation trying to figure out how can they make a move. They needed to have a, a conversation in order to make it right. And I'm going to tell you, Dean, you came through. I appreciate you. Well, you're welcome, Mark. That's what we do. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. We'll be right back with more with David Gaskeb right here on Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move, News Radio 1000, KTOK. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. We are here with structural engineer David Gaskeb. And he is our go-to guy when it comes to, is this crack a problem? Is this thing moving? And uh, so he is the person we, we always have a conversation with. And, David, I, I'm going to tell you that a couple of times or a few times, several times, I've walked around a house with you, seeing how you look at a house 
is so interesting. So when you look at a house and go and look at just for yourself, is this a well-built house? What kind of things do you look for at a house? Well, you know, that's a a pretty tough question because most of the things that you would like to see are already covered up by the time you look at a house. So you, I look, when I walk a house, I look for cracks in the brick, like we've already uh, talked about. Um, I side up the roof to see if the uh, roof is sagging, to, you know, which is something I can check because I can go in the attic and check the, the roof framing. I, Look how the water runs away from the house. Does water run toward the house? Is it running away from the house? Is there erosion uh, that's going on? I just look for things that aren't like they're supposed to be or not like I would expect them to be, Mark. So it's kind of like they study counter, they study the real dollar bills so that they can spot the the counterfeits and that's kind of i think that's how i would uh describe how you look at a house you look at the whole thing to start with yes and you don't only look at the faults but you look at basically how the structure is built yeah when i'm up in the attic you can see the framing you know the um and there's a real specific way that the uh, building codes describe how you should frame and and brace a roof so when i go up in the attic i'll look and make sure that the you know the roof is framed correctly because that's one of the few things that i can actually see as far as the framing because the walls and the ceilings are all are all covered up so that you know when you go up there you can get a feel you know of the competence of the person that that framed the house and if he put any thought into it or not yeah he or she put any thought into it. We've got lots, lots of female builders now, if, right? If, if that person. Yeah, that, okay. <laughs> so in Oklahoma, uh, our soil primarily is clay. It is like this red clay. I mean, there, there's all, there's different types, but that is one of the predominant ones we have. Yes. And I remember you walking with you and you saying, Mark, if you put a block of, of clay in water – just watch what it does. It's going to expand. If it dries out, it's going to contract. And so you, you, you talked about that with, um, uh, to it. So with, with that in mind, does, I mean, typically we go, there's two kinds of houses. There's pre peers and post peers because so many houses in here are peers. Are peers, uh, a problem? Is it, I mean, is it, do you look at a house and go, well, if, if that has peers on the house, is that a problem or is that a solution? Well, I, I think of peers as a solution, and that's a really long question. Um, back to the soil, the clay soils in Oklahoma are very moisture sensitive. They expand when they're wet and they shrink uh, when they're dry. And over the last year, I guess with the exception of the last couple of weeks, we've been in an extreme drought. I think we were over 10 inches behind in our annual rainfall last year. So that means the clay soils are, are really shrinking unless you're doing things around your house to prevent that. And it sounds funny, but, you know, if you're watering the soil around your house, you're allowing the soil to stay at a constant moisture content, which is what it likes. It doesn't like to swell when it's wet and 
and shrink when it's dry. I should say your house doesn't like that because the soil is what supports your house. So if it's if you can put your hand between the soil and the side of your house in a real dry period of time, that's a bad thing. And you're going to have the opportunity for settlement to occur as a result of that. I have seen people actually water the sides of their house and let it run down. And that's just filling up that bowl, right, uh, with water. Well, I, the first thing I will say is the brick don't need water. You know, they're fine on, on their own without watering them. But the soil, it helps to keep moisture in the soil so you don't go through the extreme shrinkage and swelling of the the weather that we experience. I have a question for you on, like, a, during this drought that we've had, are those, the soils already contracted? So when you build a house, a new house, is it going to be an issue later on? It it shouldn't be if the house is is built properly and that's that's an interesting question because if if you call me and say i'm thinking about building a house will you do the footing for the house for me the first thing that i will suggest that you do is to hire a geotechnical engineer and that engineer will go out and that person will take soil samples and analyze the soil where you're going to build your house and then he will send that report to me and suggest the types of footings that are most compatible with the soil at your location. So I will design a footing to, to, to address whatever situations that, are, that exist at your lot. And the problem is, is we don't have just clay here. We've got sandy loam over in Bethany. There's areas that are so sandy that it, I question how do, do they actually hold up a house. No, that's that's exactly right, and that again is a is a makes a stronger argument for hiring a geotechnical engineer before you build to make sure that your footing is compatible with the soil conditions. Well, I used to try to uh, mow the lawn at Western Oaks Junior High on a hill that was sandy. Woo! That was fun. I know that was fun. It was we, a thrill ride. <laughs> we have Jerry on the line. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Uh, thank you guys for taking my call. My question is about for the first few years that we had a house built, it, um, you know, it would you could tell where the fill was on the back half of the lot and the front half was on solid ground, basically, and the back half would would settle a little bit and then it had to fill in the mortar joints on both sides of the house. But you could just tell that where the back half was settling a little bit. Well, after a few years, it pretty much has just stopped, you know, and occasionally the back door will be hard, to, uh, difficult to open, but no more cracks on each side. So I guess it's maybe kind of gotten to the point where it's kind of on solid footing, I guess. Well, a friend of mine would say that your house has found its happy place. It's found where it, yeah. where it, where it wants to be. But yeah. uh, cut fills, which is what you've described, are – are difficult to build on because the typically the cut part you're on undisturbed soil and the fill part you're on obviously the fill that's usually scraped from where the the cut is and it's really important uh from a geotechnical standpoint to prepare the fill properly as far as compacting it watering it rolling over it before you build on it and if if you don't do that and the soil consolidates 
after your house is built, you're going to notice some some settlement issues. Yeah, well, I guess I run the sprinkler system all the time, so I guess it's kind of found its happy place. Then I guess. Well, it it's it sounds like it, which which is a good thing. Yeah. Is that something that has to be mentioned, Becky, in a, when there's any details about the house, being that it hasn't moved in, say, six or eight years? Does it even have to be mentioned? It's a disclosure issue. And I, I yeah. on a disclosure, Jerry, I always recommend if you question whether or not you should mention it on a disclosure, mention it. Because if, okay. that, if mentioning that would keep a buyer from purchasing your home you definitely don't want to that buyer to purchase your home if that would bother them that ends up in a lawsuit uh for yeah. your failure to yeah. disclose so it's just information about the house and it's it can be good it can be bad on that disclosure it's just facts about yeah. your house and i would yeah. always recommend someone disclose so okay it's one of the most Thank litigated you. areas is for sure did a seller disclose about a foundation we'll be back with more right here on oklahoma real estate on the move news radio 1000 ktok This is Mark Carr, team member of the Becky Ivins Real Estate Team, here with Becky Ivins and our special guest, structural engineer David Gaskeb. And if you want to join the conversation, have a question, maybe that crack that you see is significant, you can call in, ask. Call the number to call in is 405-840-1000. That's 840-1000. the day is brought to you by Robbins Roofing, where their word every day is trust. You can trust Robbins Roofing from a small repair to a complete replacement. Give them a call at 728-3700. That's 405-728-3700. Becky, what's our word of the day? Our word of the day also involves roofing, even though it's at the other end of the structure. They affect each other, and that is footing. So our word of the day is footing. So what is a footing, David? Well, and to me, the footing is the part of the structure that's typically below grade that, that holds it up. It's what you dig the big holes in the ground for, you trench for, and fill with concrete and, and build your structure on is the footing. I use footing and foundation sort of interchangeably based on your dictionary definition. Apparently, I shouldn't do that, but no. I think of that as the, <laughs> as the same thing. Uh, if, if you Google it... Uh... Uh, the footing's what's actually in contact with the ground or the earth, and the foundation's the structure that transfers the load to the earth. I I don't that, think that whoever that sounds wrote, like a word salad to me. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think whoever wrote that was a structural engineer. But uh, the footing is a very important. There's different types of footing too. Yes, there are. So let's mention a couple of them that are common here. The, from, from a residential standpoint, uh, probably the two most common are the first is what I refer to as a trench footing where the builder just digs a trench around the perimeter. It, in Oklahoma, it has to be at least 18 inches deep to get below the, uh, the frost line. And depending upon the, whether it's a one- or two-story house or the type, whether it's siding or, or brick, 
it can be anywhere from 15 to 20 inches wide. And they just put rebar in it and fill it with concrete. Uh, another common type of footing uh, in Oklahoma City is what we refer to as a pier and beam, where they'll grade the lot, and then about every six to eight feet, they'll go along and drill uh, piers. Of, unfortunately, typically, they're 10 inches in diameter, anywhere up to 18 inches in diameter, and the piers should be drilled to a depth where they hit something really hard, and most of the geotechs suggest that after you hit something hard that you drill two feet into that to make sure that you've got good beer, bearing, and then those piers come up to the surface and they pour a grade beam or a stem wall on top of those that spans between the piers. So uh, typically there are the trench footings and the pier and beam footings residentially. Well, and your your pier and beam can sit on top of your trench footing, right? Well, your your beam your, sits your beams on, do. Yeah, yeah. Your, there's a stem wall that sits on top of the trench footing. Okay, so what we see so often is maybe a three foot deep uh, hole dug, and that's your pier. Uh, some builders do differently, but they do a little bit more on the corners, I think, of the house. Well, sometimes they'll double pier the corner. They'll put one on each side okay. of, of the corner. Okay. Um, when it settles, do you have to cut those piers and, and go again? Well, usually when they, when they install the steel piers, they may cut those loose from the beam so that they don't act as a resistance to lifting instead of what they're supposed to do. And sometimes they just come right up with the stem wall whenever the piers are installed. <laughs> Which probably means they weren't very deep to start with, right? Uh, probably. Uh, so brick. People get upset when they see cracks in the brick because the structure is failing, they tell me. So tell me about brick. Okay, of course, brick on houses is is a is a veneer. It's a sort of a clay coat of paint. It's the the siding or the facade. Uh, brick has no structural. The brick veneer on residences has no structural significance. But brick is an incredible indicator of what the footing is doing. It reflects movement of the footing by by cracking. Brick is very brittle, and if it moves, it it breaks. So it's a good indicator of foundation issues. On this stem wall that goes around the house, uh, and that you can often see the stem wall because it's and beam. above grade. Yes. Uh, when the corners chip off of those, is that a big deal? To me, that's more cos- cosmetic. And it's my opinion that what causes that is the concrete, after you pour it, it shrinks as part of the, the curing process. When you put a clay brick on that, brick expands. So you have the proverbial problem at a corner of forces in opposite directions. The concrete wants to get smaller and the brick wants to get bigger. So the typically what happens is what you're describing. You get that diagonal crack and the corner pops off. Yeah, but the the piers are typically offset from the exact corner, so the structure is probably still solid. Yeah, I don't interpret that as a structural problem. I interpret that as more of something that just needs to be fixed. Well, if you have a crack, is it worse to have a horizontal, vertical, or diagonal crack in the brick or the mortar? Well, 
of course, all cracks are bad, right? So if, if everything's done properly, you shouldn't have to, to deal with cracks. Um, if you have a concrete brick house, and a lot of times you'll get a, a vertical crack in concrete brick, which is not an indicator of a footing movement, but concrete brick shrinks as it cures. So if you have a very long wall and you don't put control joints in it and you get some shrinkage, you'll get a vertical crack in the concrete brick, which is not an indicator of a, of a footing movement. If you have a vertical crack in the middle of a wall and it's wider at the top and it tapers to the footing, that probably indicates that one end or the other of that wall has, has settled and caused that V crack or that tapered uh, crack to occur. Uh, diagonal cracks at windows are without a doubt probably the most common types of cracks that, that we see in brick. And certainly when you have the diagonal crack and the brick pulls away from the, the window jam, those are, in, at least in my view, indications that you've got some movement going on. Yeah, sometimes you see a, we go to list a house and there will be an enormous amount of caulking on the side of a window. Maybe not on the other side, but on one side of the window. So what would that be? Well, that means that you've got an, got an issue. I've seen them where there's been so much movement, there's more trim on one side of a window than there is on the other because they've used trim to fill the gap in that you're talking about. So, yes, if you see that, I'm immediately suspicious that, that I need to look closer and see what else is going on that caused them to have to do that. And how do you see beneath uh, vinyl siding to see what's happening with a house? I I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, So, we worse diagonal, horizontal, it's just different. It's not particularly worse. You can have all kinds. A horizontal crack sometimes, if you get what I call a mid-wall, the center of the wall settles instead of the corners a lot of times it'll drop and pull the brick with it and you'll get a mortar joint separation which is horizontal which sort of an indicator to me that you dropped in the in the center so you can have all three types of those cracks can certainly indicate a footing issue but the diagonal is probably the most common okay now is how about cracks in sidewalks uh is that something that needs to be fixed to me, if, if you have a crack in a sidewalk, the primary thing that I would look for there is it creating a safety issue, you know, or people tripping every time they walk by. And, of course, the sidewalk has no bearing on your house. But if it's a safety or a health hazard or something like that, then, yes, I think it certainly needs to be fixed. Uh, something that folks typically do not know is when there's a crack across a patio, uh, they think that their house is settling. So explain that to us. Well, if you ever watch a house being built, probably one of the last things that they do is they pour the driveway and the patios. And it's my opinion they do that so the workers don't drive and walk across them during construction. So the back patio of your house is essentially a four-inch or three-and-a-half-inch thick slab that's sitting on the ground. And if the and it and it's not reinforced, so if there's any movement of the ground underneath it, the the slab, that concrete slab or patio is going to want to do whatever the the ground does, and it cracks or breaks or follows it down. 
And if the, uh, you want to enclose your patio, what, what's the issue with that? Well, the, the building code says in the city of Oklahoma City and most of the municipalities here require that you have a footing as defined by the building code in a living space. So you're changing that from an outdoor area to a living space, and typically patios do not have perimeter footings around them. So you have to modify that where you have an 18-inch deep, whatever the width is required footing, before you enclose that. Because the wall will not stand forever on a three and a half or four inch slab it's going to crack and move no in fact when i look at a house that has an enclosed patio i always look where the enclosed patio meets the original house and if they haven't done it right they pull apart at that location yeah so man there's a lot to this what about inside the garage if there's a crack going inside in the garage area in the garage slab yeah well, typically the garage slab is poured separate than the slab in your house. So it cracks in the garage slab do not affect the inside of the house. My typical recommendation is if you're, if, if you're concerned about cracks in your garage slab, and they can get be horrendous, you know, they can be wide and tripping and everything like that, the, the most economical way to deal with that is to jackhammer the slab and pour a new one. Because the time, by the time that you try and grind it or lift it or do the repairs, you're probably going to spend more money than a new slab costs anyway. Yeah. So how about the heaving of the slab, like in the the garage? Like you were talking about the unevenness of the concrete when it cracks. One side ends up two inches taller than the other. Well, if you, of course, if you have heaving, you can't push it back. If you have settlement, you can lift it. But you can't push heaving back. So if you have heaving, you know, if you're patient, you can wait for the soil to dry out and maybe it will go back, but maybe it won't. So if you have heaving, you typically need to remove that section of the slab, properly prepare the soil that's caused the heaving, and then replace it. Okay, so there's a fix for almost anything. And this sounds like I'm being a smart aleck, but you can fix anything as long as you can afford to pay for it. There you go. (laughs) My wife and I were looking at a house. We had structural questions. I had David come out. We walked, and I remember, David, you and I standing in the garage, and you said, it's heaving here, and the only fix for that is really to jackhammer, get everything out, and it's a fix. But it's a costly one, That's and it saved me thousands of dollars. Because you did not buy that house. Because I decided I would not take on that. We would go find another one, which we did, which we love. So I know. I, know. Is, I love your house, too. It is it's, just, it's a great house. So David is one of my dearest friends for that, <laughs> for that moment. We'll be back with more and your calls right here on at Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move, News Radio 1000, KTOK. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move, and it's time for our smoking hot deal. Hot, hot, hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Oh, Lord. 
Our Smoking Hot Deals brought to you by Casa Perico Mexican Grill, located on the south corner of 122nd and Penn and on 63rd, just west of Meridian and in Yukon on Route 66. Becky, what's our Smoking Hot Deal? Okay, we have got a house that is going to be for sale. The big thing in real estate right now is off market. It is not on the market yet, but if you are looking for something in that 200,000 range, and you are looking for, uh, and frankly, I don't remember. I think this has three bedrooms, two bathrooms. Uh, and it also has an enclosed Florida room on the back, a nice professionally done, because uh, it, it, it was built as an artist studio. And uh, the actually, the uh, this is the last day of the estate sale on this property. It is an estate, and it is on Island View in Ski Island. Uh, and it will go on the market. It's scheduled to go on the market on Friday. However, if you want to get a sneak peek, go over to that estate sale today. And I can't remember what the address is. And it might be as an incomplete listing on our MLS, uh, that it's like 10, I can't remember, Island View. It's a couple of blocks west of MacArthur. And just go in on Ski Island Drive, I believe. And uh, you'll see the estate sale signs. Uh, You'll be led right to them from MacArthur, uh, just south of Hefner. Well, while we're talking, I'll see if I can look it up in our part, and I'll come back. And as we're talking to David Gaskin. That's our smoking hot deal. Brought to you by Casa Perico Mexican Grill, which I did not eat there this week. So it's, it's an odd week then. It is an odd week, so I get to eat twice this week. So right, that's right. <laughs> their uh, their variety of foods awesome. Uh, okay, David, I've got some final questions for you. David Gasgab, our dependable structural engineer. We always say, don't get an opinion about how many peers you need from a guy selling peers, right? So <laughs> one peer. To pay for one peer, you could get a structural engineer to give you a, an analysis of the property and tell you if you need them, exactly where to put them, and how many to put. Because uh, the guy that's selling the peers to your foundation has to, well, they offer warranties. So if they offer a warranty, they'd rather overdo it than do what's necessary. That's my opinion. Yeah, there's um, there's all kinds of peer salesmen that's, right. as far as that's concerned. Um, I think the important thing to know when you're when you have a peer guy or an, an engineer come to look at your house that in the industry there's no accepted criterion. I will say among engineers as to what constitutes the need for a peer. And, and what doesn't. So it's opinions. Kind of like, well, how big does a crack need to be in order to justify a peer? No, no and that's a, a good question. And, and I try and take several things uh, into account when I'm making that decision. If your house is, is 50 years old and has some cracks, I'm not going to be as harsh on it than if your house is two years old and has the same uh, cracks. Um, so, and it's, and it's unfortunate, but it's, if, if you would hire 10 engineers and I'm embarrassed to say this, you may get 10 different opinions 
as to what they think or how many peers they think that 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 you need. It's just based on experience uh, of of looking at houses. Do you know? I did that. A house that we I raised my kids in uh, had a big retaining wall across the back of the yard, and I had five different, not engineers, but five different pure foundation companies basically come out and look at it. And this was probably, oh gosh, 40 years ago, maybe. But they came in from $2,500 to over $10,000. And there was no two that were anywhere close in price as to fixing it. So I called an engineer, called my brother-in-law, an architect. And he said, Becky, I'm going to send this guy out. He's a dirt engineer. So he probably was a geotechnical engineer. engineer. And uh, he said, uh, when you shake his hand, when he gives you his opinion, you have a $100 bill in there for him. (laughs) 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 And he said, hey, you got peers all along here. Don't let anyone ever cut those because it's good. You've just got a couple of small cracks. And dig down on this corner, and if you dig down as much as – uh, four feet and you're still hitting concrete you know you've got a good pier under there and we dug down six feet and we're still hitting concrete good for you and i mean i say we i had boys <laughs> and they did it uh but the so i became a big fan of engineers at that point because i think the pier salesman would have caused me a lot of grief and I will say that the the guy that I've depended on for so many years has been Gary Thornton, and Gary's you know good, Gary, I know him real he's well. a good guy. Uh, he's the one that came in the lowest. He told me not to do anything pier wise, but to repour and seal up the sidewalk around the house so that the water would shed from it. And that was so. He said, "You don't need piers, but you're going to if you don't do something about this water that's." pooling around your foundation drainage is important yeah so anyway that was uh my experience of getting different opinions and learning to do engineers okay last question the tile crack it cracks across the room in tile does that mean that your slab is cracked more often than not the answer to that question is yes because typical tile is adhered to the slab which means it's bonded or thin-setted to the slab. So the tile reflects any movement of the slab below. Okay. Boy, we appreciate you. And your favorite word is actually gutters. I have to mention that. (laughs) Gutter your whole house is the best investment you can make. Know where the water is going around your house. And that estate sale we teased is, is at 10104 Island View Drive. It's a state sale by the Pink Lady. There you go. If you want a good, thanks for being with us on Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move News Radio 1000 KTOK.